As I mentioned yesterday, it's amazing what a difference a week makes. A week ago, last Wednesday, we were hunkered down at home, at the uh, home studio. I took one look out the window last Wednesday morning and saw my car buried in all that snow, and I said, uh-uh, nope, not even going out. <laughs> I'm just going just gonna to stay home. And today, one week later, not only are we originating the program from Command Central here at Lake Cascades, I didn't even bother to wear a jacket into work today. <laughs> Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, longtime automotive supplier Nissan Brake has a new name, and along with it comes greater opportunities for the company and its Findlay operations. Also this morning, Joe Biden addresses a joint session of Congress this evening as he approaches the traditional first 100 days benchmark of his presidency with the first job approval numbers showing a mixed bag of early successes and stumbles. We'll take a closer look. Happening around town, cast members of the Heritage Christian School production of Pygmalion join us to preview this weekend's show. And we have details on May programming and events at the Findlay-Hencock County Public Library. Director Sarah Clevidence tells us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, April 28th, 2021. Today is Biological Clock Day. Your biological clock is ticking. Uh, it is Clean Comedy Day today. Who is your favorite clean comedian? Uh, for me, Jim Gaffigan is just side-splittingly funny. My favorite clean comedian. It is Denim Day. Wear denim today. Uh, wear denim and read some great poetry. It is Great Poetry Reading Day. <laughs> day to be a beatnik. Uh, International Guide Dog Day. International Pay It Forward Day. National Blueberry Pie Day. You bake somebody a blueberry pie and just give it to someone at random. That would be a good way to pay it forward. Check off, check off both those boxes. National Cubicle Day, National Kiss Your Mate Day, National Superhero Day, Stop Food Waste Day, and it is the World Day for Safety and Health at Work. So, reasons to celebrate today. I saw this on the Newswire and I thought, man, I, it's surprising it took this long for this to happen. Several Republican congressmen who are also doctors uh, are appearing together in a new ad promoting the coronavirus vaccine. It uh, It's a move that comes as polls have shown Republicans are more reluctant, more hesitant to get vaccinated uh, as a group. And so a uh, number of Republican congressmen who are, in fact, doctors appear in this. Some are dressed in their white lab coats. Uh, Senators Roger Marshall of Kansas, John Parasso of Wyoming, and John Boozman of Arkansas and uh, there are also uh, some members of the House uh, are uh, appearing in the ad talking about uh, the safety and efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccines. They also include messages designed to appeal to Republicans specifically, saying that getting vaccinated means we can throw away our mask and live life as free as we did before. So the messaging uh, very much geared toward Republicans specifically. They also, in the, uh, in the ad... Praise the Trump administration's Operation Warp Speed for speeding up the FDA's approval process for the vaccines. So, which you remember, and this is the part that, that frankly, it, it kind of confuses me. 
because there are a lot of uh, a lot of folks who are you know, diehard Trump supporters, especially who say, "I am not getting vaccinated. I am not putting that vaccine in into me that experimental vaccine." But these uh, largely are the same people who were praising President Trump for cutting all the red tape and getting the vaccines uh, uh, into arms quicker than that was the big selling point in the Trump administration's fight against the COVID-19 pandemic, is we're going to get these vaccines quicker than ever before. We're going to have a vaccine. Life is going to get back to normal. But now that the vaccine is here, they're so, oh, I'm not taking it. It just is uh, very odd. So anyway, they're uh, kind of playing up that aspect of it. And I was just surprised that it took this long Uh, for somebody to come up with that idea of having those uh, Republican senators uh, speak directly to Republicans on on those levels with those talking points to promote the uh, vaccine. Interesting. By the way, uh, when you do get vaccinated, can you celebrate with a drink or two? Uh, The experts say it depends on how much you drink. Some studies have found that over the long term, small or moderate amounts of alcohol might benefit the immune system by reducing inflammation. But, the experts, and there's always a but, heavy alcohol alcohol consumption uh, can suppress the immune system and potentially interfere with the vaccine response. So it is a fine line. The director of the Center for Virus Research at the University of California says, if you are a moderate drinker, there is no risk of having a drink around the time of your vaccine. But it is dangerous. Again, here's the but. It is dangerous to drink large amounts of alcohol because the effects on the immune system are pretty severe and they occur very quickly after you uh, get out of that moderate drinking zone. Now, again, as a reminder, the uh, moderate drinking is defined as two drinks a day for men, one drink a day for women. And it is important to note that the clinical trials of the vaccines that are currently approved by the FDA for emergency authorization, did not, the clinical trials did not specifically look at whether alcohol had any impact on the effectiveness of the vaccine. So, so the bottom line is you do so at your own risk. Uh, let's see. Uh, there is another COVID story among the first things you need to know this morning. The pandemic Uh, has more Americans undergoing cosmetic procedures than ever before. The Aesthetic Plastic Surgery National Data Bank says the top non-surgical procedures that Americans got in 2020 are injections of neurotoxins like Botox injections and fillers. 54% more people got those types of injections last year as compared to 2019. 75% got more fillers. A 54% uh, jump in things like Botox injections. 75% more fillers. Uh, Oriana Cohen, clinical assistant professor at NYU Langone Health, says neuromodulators like Botox and fillers have always been popular, but are even more so now. And this is kind of interesting. The area of focus is more the eyes... Whereas before, it was the chin. And now, your chin is covered by a mask. So people didn't have to worry about that in 2020. So they were looking, because, and what happens when you cover up the majority of your face, people notice your eyes even more. And so more people were focused uh, on that. A dermatologist uh, adds that people seem to be focusing more on their eyes than usual in terms of getting Botox. In addition, 
Plastic surgeons say there seems to be more of an openness to the idea of undergoing treatments simultaneously. A majority, majority of doctors think the changes have come due to more Americans working from home as they can work and recover from their cosmetic procedures at the same time. And don't have to take time off of work. Social distancing likely helping as well as not being able to meet others in person has allowed many people to recuperate without having to worry about people they know noticing fresh scars or swelling or things like that. And, of course, it goes back to the uh, Zoom meetings where when you're on one of those uh, online meetings, you can see that little window of your own camera staring back at you so you know how you look to others, and it's made us very self-conscious. So, again, not a big surprise. Not a big surprise. A couple of other uh, interesting stories among the first things you need to know this morning. This is certainly a buzzworthy story. The popular food and cooking website Epicurious has announced that they will no longer include beef in any of their recipes or articles. Now, they point out that existing recipes on the website that contain beef will remain available, but they're not adding any. The site, which is owned by Condé Nast, says they are making the change to encourage more sustainable cooking and help fight climate change. Since nearly 15% of global greenhouse emissions are from livestock, most of them cows. Which, to me, says we should eat them. (laughs) If the cows are causing the problem, let's get rid of the cows. Let's eat them. (laughs) But, But that's not what they... Uh, That's not the way they look at it. Epicurious said in a tweet about the news, this is not a vendetta against cows or people who eat them or people who raise them. Uh, It is a shift about sustainability. It is not anti-beef. It is (laughs) pro-planet. That is a distinction without a difference, I think, for a lot of folks. But uh, this isn't actually a new thing for the site. Uh, They noted that uh, they stopped publishing most beef-centric recipes about a year ago. I don't often visit Epicurious, so I didn't notice that. But now it is, uh, they've come gone completely, if not vegan, completely vegetarian. No beef. Well, no beef. They, they didn't say anything about chicken or fish or anything like that. So, But uh, no more beef. Epicurious. Interesting. And how about this? There has been a lot of discussion in sports circles about some of the changes to the baseball rules the past couple of years. Um, Most notably, the extra inning rules now that are uh, in place. What, they're putting runners on base at the start of every extra inning in order to hopefully speed up. And I think it's worked. I don't think there's been any game. Have there been any games, Major League Baseball, that have gone beyond 10, maybe 11 innings? And it used to be pretty common for Things go 13, 14, 15 innings. And uh, you don't see that very much. So the runner on second has been, a, uh, has been a success in that respect. Now the Pioneer Baseball League, uh, which is a minor league, kind of developmental league with teams in Idaho, Montana, Utah, Wyoming. So it's out west. The Pioneer Baseball League is thinking even further outside the batter's box to resolve tied games. The Independent League announced it will employ a knockout rule that involves a sudden-death home run derby instead of extra innings. Game tied at the end of nine 
each team's hitter would get five pitches and the game would be determined by the most homers hit. It's like the uh, baseball equivalent of the penalty kick shootout in soccer. Now, if they go through every, uh, every hitter and all those pitches and so on, and the game is still tied, then they would go to extra innings. But the likelihood is that the home run derby would resolve the game. League officials say it is the first-of-its-kind rule and an effort to avoid the excessive strain on uh, pitching staffs and teams by playing uh, entire extra innings. I don't know. I don't know if that will uh, catch on, but I think wasn't the Pioneer League one of the first to uh, to do the runners on second thing? I think they also were one of the early ones to do a, a pitch clock um, for uh, pitchers. Major League Baseball hasn't implemented that, but Minor League Baseball had. So uh, anyway, just kind of uh, interesting there. Some of the uh, most buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, a chance of showers today, maybe a thunderstorm, a high around 80. Chance of showers and storms tonight, a low around 60. A Finley man was taken into custody in connection with a stabbing that left two people injured. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office says it happened at an address on Oakwood Drive in Findlay. The two people who were stabbed were taken to Blanchard Valley Hospital and treated for injuries that are not life-threatening. The Sheriff's Office said a 24-year-old man was taken into custody for felonious assault, and the case remains under investigation. Get more on our website. This is National Work Zone Awareness Week, and transportation officials are urging drivers to be careful around those orange barrels, or there could be deadly consequences. Linda Cook lost her husband in a work zone crash in 2017. He was working on I-70 in Columbus when he was hit and killed by an impaired driver. Be considerate, be responsible driver out there, and respect the heavy highway construction workers and all the workers on the road. Last year, there were more than 4,500 work zone crashes in Ohio. That's ONN's Tracy Townsend reporting. Governor DeWine says fully vaccinated Ohioans no longer have to quarantine if they're exposed to somebody with COVID-19. The governor says by changing the health order, students 16 and 17 years old who are vaccinated will be able to participate in sports and other activities even when they have been exposed to somebody with COVID-19. National Honor Society students at Finley High School made a positive impact on the environment through a new litter cleanup project called Blue and Gold Goes Green. Senior Saki Bausar says she and her friends were shocked by just how much trash they picked up. I looked at their faces and they were like, wow, this is this is a lot. And I feel like this was great because it kind of raised some awareness about the types of litter, like what impact it has on our community. Around 90 students picked up litter at three sites around Findlay. Get more on our website. The city of Findlay took to its social media to answer some common questions as people begin or continue their spring cleaning. The city listed questions about high grass, junk vehicles, and garage sales among the most common questions they get. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. And now our cover story this morning. As we mentioned, longtime automotive supplier Nissan Brake has a new name. And along with that comes greater opportunities for the company and its Findlay operations. We are joined by Ken Lee, who is Senior Vice President of Operations 
uh, for the uh, Findlay location. Ken, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Uh, we were uh, just uh, uh, saying this is and this new name is uh, Ostemo, right? Yes, that's, that's how correct. you uh, A S T E M O. Yes. That is an acronym. Yes. Uh, what is uh, what does that stand for? That stands for Advanced Sustainable Technologies for Mobility. Okay, so Ostemo. Yes. And this uh, actually is a uh, partnership. The main uh, investor in this partnership is Hitachi, but this is a uh, this is a partnership, right? Yes, Hitachi Involved. Global and Honda are, are uh, joining together to create this company. And, of course, Nissan Brake, as you were formerly known, uh, is well known as a uh, Honda supplier and has been for uh, a number of years. Uh, talk about how this then opens up additional possibilities or uh, opportunities for the company. Sure. Well, it opens up opportunities with Honda and with other automakers because mm-hmm. the larger Hitachi Automotive Group has had a larger cu- customer base outside of Honda. So there's a there's a development partnership in terms of de- developing new products that gives us a good pipeline there too. And what uh, specifically are the opportunities that you see for the Findlay operations then in conjunction with that? Opportunities to take on more product from some of the other Hitachi Ostimo uh, family companies, especially in the brake area, mm-hmm. there are uh, CBI Automotive or CBI uh, Chassis Brake International is in Europe, and they've got a lot of product that could potentially be built here in the U.S. Mm. So you your your focus will remain braking systems. That's right. But uh, I understand that the, one of the uh, other maybe most exciting areas uh, in the future future growth uh, is in the area of autonomous uh, vehicle technology. That's correct. Hitachi, uh, Hitachi Ostimo as a larger organization, that's really one of the end goals is the automated driving, the advanced driver uh, assistance systems. And in order to build those systems, they need to have chassis systems that can interact with those types of control systems. That's kind of what I was, uh, was going to ask. What are the differences between uh, you know the traditional braking systems that you've always manufactured and these next-generation higher-tech uh, systems that will power autonomous vehicles and uh, even more technologically advanced uh, vehicles? What's the what's the difference? Well, there's a lot of technology in terms of like regenerative regenerative braking that's uh, that's continuing to grow. But even as the automakers expand their electric vehicles, their hybrid vehicles, there's still a need for conventional brakes, and that's anticipated for quite a while yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, when you're looking at the long-term future, this is uh, really exciting, the uh, possibilities, uh, and, and that, I, I guess, is what you're most excited about here. Yeah, definitely. To have a larger company like Ostimo that can develop that product pipeline and keep a steady flow of new technology and new business coming to Findlay is really exciting. Will this uh, so Findlay will still be primarily a uh, manufacturing uh, uh, area, not in terms of uh, R and D and and that kind of thing. That's correct. We do have an R and D office down in the East Liberty area. Okay, that we'll continue to maintain uh, to some extent down there. Do you in Finland, and just uh, for my own uh, knowledge, I, because I, I don't know. Do you uh, uh, manufacture like prototypes and, and things like that for these uh, developing technologies? Not so much yet, but it's an area that we're looking into. So again, an area potentially of growth uh, in the future. And and uh, I, I guess it makes sense that this would open up these uh, opportunities, this era of huge change uh, in the automotive industry. I mean, whether we're talking about, you mentioned hybrids that are on the road now, electric vehicles, even more of which are, are coming, uh, these autonomous 
autonomous vehicles. I mean, this is really the future of the uh, industry. Yes, absolutely. So uh, this also opens up uh, opportunities for growth and expansion and uh, more jobs, that kind of thing as well? That's what we anticipate. We're looking at a number of different programs right now, quoting different, uh, different product lines that could be produced here in Finley. So, the, uh, the, so it's more than just a name change is the, uh, is the bottom line. And how long will this all take to work out these synergies uh, with this new company? It's a great question. It, it's expected to take a few years, but um, we are seeing immediate benefits in terms of just product product opportunities and production opportunities. You're talking about uh, opportunities, uh, again, to expand who you supply to. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, again, this is uh, really good news for the long-term presence of what was uh, Nissan, Nissan Brake and now uh, Ostimo right. uh, is the uh, new. So when you see the uh, signage and you see the, uh, the new things, that's what's, uh, that's what's going on. And as you mentioned, this does uh, open up uh, opportunities, and, and you are out there like many uh, hiring right now, right? That's correct. Yes, we it, we have a number of production positions we're working to fill. And uh, if folks are interested in in learning more, how do they go about uh, learning more about those opportunities? They can call right to the plant and set up an opportunity, set up an appointment to come in and interview. Uh, again, uh, Ken Lee is senior vice president of operations for a Hitachi Ostimo uh, Findlay. Uh, again, the uh, new name for a longtime automotive supplier Nissan Brake uh, in the area. Ken, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for having Thank us. Stuff. We've got uh, more details on our webpage as well, goodmornings.net. As we mentioned, Joe Biden will address a joint session of Congress this evening as he approaches the traditional first 100 days benchmark of his presidency. Politico congressional reporter Nicholas Wu is with us on the line this morning to kind of break it all down. The uh, speech tonight, I want to start there. Um, it's not technically a State of the Union address because we don't do that in the first year of a new presidency, but uh, it will look and feel very much like that if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, I guess. Nicholas, what do you expect uh, to hear from the president tonight? And uh, maybe more importantly, uh, what do the folks in Congress expect to hear from the president tonight? Well, this is going to be a speech unlike any other so far. Uh, you know, because of the coronavirus pandemic, attendance for this speech has been severely capped. So normally, you know, you have all the members of Congress there and their guests, but now we'll only have about a couple hundred uh, guests total. And they'll be there to listen to the president lay out his agenda uh, for the next uh, year or so of his presidency. Uh, he's expected to talk about uh, a comprehensive immigration plan as well as his new jobs and infrastructure um, and uh, family plan that uh, we just got details on this morning. Um, on immigration, that is a, a key point, because I thought it was interesting in watching some of the Sunday news shows uh, this past weekend, uh, members of the Republican Party are kind of uh, setting themselves, setting the stage to come out after the president's speech and say they were disappointed. They were talking quite a bit, uh, emphasizing the uh issues that we have seen over the uh, past couple, three months um, at the uh, southern border with respect to uh, immigration. So is that a bit of a, a thorny subject? The, the president has really kind of got to be very careful about what he says uh, on the immigration issue, doesn't he? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's definitely an issue that's uh, 
at the forefront of the administration's concerns. And for that matter, it's something that Republicans have seen as a sort of opportunity uh, to um, score, uh, score points in a way against the president. I mean, uh, you know, for the hun- first hundred days or so of the Biden administration, they've mostly struggled um, to land punches and have really struggled to define him. But immigration is something where they actually do see opportunity to do so. And that kind of leads us to the first job approval numbers, which were uh, released uh, over the uh, over the weekend, showing kind of a mixed bag of early successes and stumbles for the president. Fifty three percent, give or take, depending on which poll you look at, but generally right around the 53 percent mark in terms of overall approval rating, which is. On the plus side, about 10 points higher than where President Trump was four years ago. But on the other side, it was pointed out that this is the third lowest job approval number 100 days in of any president since Kennedy. Uh, The only ones that are lower were President Trump and Gerald Ford. And, of course, he had just pardoned Richard Nixon. So no big surprise that his numbers were were lower than that. So 53 percent is more than more than half but uh, not exactly anything to write home about. Right. I mean, Republicans have very much dug in against the president in, much of, in many of his policies so far. I mean, we have a, um, a poll out this morning from Politico and Morning Consult um, that asked uh, people to give a letter grade to the president. And I mean, this, this really goes to show the partisan split right now. That there were 85% of Democrats uh, that gave Biden an A or a B, um, but only 14% of Republicans gave Biden an A or a B. That is such a dramatic difference. Uh, it, it just, again, demonstrates, as you were saying, how politically divided we are. There is also an interesting uh, article posted on Politico.com uh, this morning, I noticed, from uh, your uh, your colleague, Anita Kumar, who uh, talked about uh, the first 100 days have gone relatively smoothly but uh, as the headline puts it does the summer curse await and a lot of times for a new president you hit the summertime and those uh, grand plans sometimes the wheels come off how likely is that to to happen for uh, president biden i mean he certainly got the experience to know that this is uh, maybe what could happen if he's not careful it's definitely very much a concern for them but you know, it's important to remember the, the broader context that they started in, too. I mean, we're still in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic and you know, still dealing with all the economic um, effects of the pandemic. And so uh, you know, it was kind of a bumpy start to begin with. And, uh, you know, perhaps they might be aware of um, what's ahead as well. You know, that uh, actually brings back, we were talking about the approval numbers and uh, the highlighting the mixed bag of the uh, successes in the areas where the president has stumbled a bit. We mentioned immigration. Uh, The president gets very, very low marks uh, with respect to immigration, given what we have seen at the border over the past couple of months, but then very high marks for his handling uh, of the virus. So again, here again, you've got, uh, you know, something really positive on on one side, something uh, very negative on the other that the president has to work on. Absolutely. So, again, it becomes no surprise that uh, immigration will be maybe the flashpoint of the uh, the speech tonight. Besides uh, immigration, though, what are some of the other highlights uh, with respect to policy we can uh, expect uh, these uh, grand plans? You mentioned the infrastructure. president has a big sell job uh, to do uh, on that, even among some in his own party. 
He really does. I mean, this uh, this the economics and jobs plan is is a one point eight trillion dollar um, spending framework, which. Yeah, with the previous coronavirus aid packages, there was this certain sense of emergency to it all that mm-hmm. those had to get through to address the pandemic. But this kind of package doesn't quite have the same sort of um, emergency need to it, at least in the way that it's written right now. And so it is it is definitely kind of a hard sell, not only among more conservative parts of the Democratic Party, but also among progressive parts of it. Um, who wanted some of these portions to be bigger. Yeah. Uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, for example, wanted $700 billion for child care, whereas I think there's uh, probably a couple hundred billion in here. Yeah, you make a, a good point. He's certainly walking a fine line uh, among the different factions of his own party. And Senator Joe Manchin, uh, even uh, just a few days ago, was maybe... Uh, in the uh, the catbird seat, uh, probably the most coveted seat <laughs> in Congress right now, because uh, he is maybe the most influential person uh, in uh, uh, on Capitol Hill uh, right now for his uh, swing vote. He has even said that this needs to be split uh, into traditional infrastructure and a second package with what they are calling the the human. Uh, side of infrastructure. How likely is that that ultimately uh, this gets split maybe into two separate packages, two separate bills? That's a very real possibility. I mean, it's, it's you know, the, the White House can propose whichever plan they want, but it still is ultimately up to people in Congress uh, to, to see that into, uh, you know, to, to put that into some sort of final form. And um, there's definitely... Uh, a desire among more conservative Democrats and definitely among Republicans to do this kind of uh, what they see as traditional infrastructure plan, just the roads and the bridges mm-hmm. and the and the like, um, stripping out a lot of these other uh, uh, provisions on, on family care and, and uh, that sort of thing. With that being said, um, you know, it, it is very hard to pass bills in Congress. And so if you have one opportunity to pass a bill, you know, this, this usually leads to these these types of legislation being loaded up with all sorts of different things. Yeah, it, that is a, a, a fair point. I, I'm wondering, because the president in his uh, inaugural speech, and uh, I would guess probably tonight we'll speak to, uh, to, to this as well, talking about bringing uh, the country back together uh, again uh, after four years of uh, very harsh division. There's really not an indication that that exists, and you were referencing your poll just out uh, today, which uh, demonstrates that again. Would would splitting up the infrastructure bill, I mean, the Republicans have proposed their own, uh, which includes uh, three-quarters of a billion dollars for roads, bridges, and uh, even broadband. Um, you know, would, would that be an olive branch of sorts, Let's go ahead and give the Republicans that, and then we can have the uh, the larger fight on the uh, other stuff. It certainly would be, although Republicans are, are still wary of what happened with the coronavirus aid bills, where yeah. you, know, you had this kind of outreach to Republicans. You had Republican plans offered and then considered by the White House, and then you know the White House basically said, you know, it's our way or the highway, right. um, which left some Republicans feeling burned. So uh, some bridges uh, to be uh, built there perhaps as well. It would be interesting to, to hear what the president has to say tonight, the reaction from the other side of the aisle, and, of course, as we hit that uh, first 100 days benchmark uh, on Friday, what happens as we head into the summer. Again, uh, Politico congressional reporter Nicholas Wu this morning. 
Nicholas, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I could have danced all night. I could have danced all night. And still have begged for more. So coming up this weekend... Kids at Heritage Christian School will be uh, putting on a production of Not My Fair Lady, but rather the play on which that musical is based, Pygmalion. And joining us in the studio this morning, a couple of cast members uh, from that production with a, a preview of the show, uh, Anna Grace uh, Leskowitz and uh, James uh, Barras. Uh, I'm sorry, last name, I missed that. Barajas? Barajas, okay. I knew I was going to mess that up, so I apologize uh, in advance. So, uh, as we mentioned, this is a play that the popular musical My Fair Lady was uh, based on. Let me start with the uh, with the question. Uh, were either of you familiar with the play before, uh, before all of this started, before you started uh, rehearsing and everything? I was very familiar with the play. You before. were? Okay. Yes. Um, so yeah, were you? Did you? No, you had yeah, no idea. A, a um, which is understandable because it's uh, like 100 years old, uh, this, this play originally uh, by George Bernard Shaw. Uh, were you familiar with the musical My Fair Lady? No, at all no complete. have you seen the musical yes, I was very okay <laughs> so let me ask you this uh anna grace since uh, you uh, are familiar with both what are the biggest differences because most people will be familiar with my fair lady maybe not as much pygmalion what's the biggest difference between the play and the musical that most people will know um well there's a few scenes missing that are very popular i guess the horse race scene is definitely missing mm-hmm um, Hard but, to do horses uh, exactly in a school on stage. play, so yes. yeah, I, I can understand that. <laughs> um, but I guess the biggest one that a lot of people uh, are upset about is the ending. Yeah. The play ends rather sad, but the uh, musical My Fair Lady gives you, I guess, a little bit of hope for the ending. Yeah, it was, it was uh, reworked a little bit. And as a matter of fact, uh, the, the original play... Uh, has gone through a number of, over the years, a number of reworkings because you're not alone in thinking that the ending was really not very satisfying. Even when it debuted a hundred years ago, audiences and critics said the, uh, said the same thing. So you're doing the original though, right? That is correct. Okay. So uh, tell us a little bit about the, uh, the story. For those who are not familiar with it, give us kind of the brief synopsis. Tell us a little bit about the, uh, about the story. Um, well, it opens up at a party. You know, everyone's, uh, everyone's getting wet. It's raining. You, know, you get a nice introduction to most of the characters, mm-hmm. um, most of the returning characters. And basically, um, we find this girl, and we, um, you know, she's a little, she's a little out there. You know, she's got an interesting <laughs> accent. And Higgins, obviously, he's just a wonderful phonetics man, and he's thinking, well, you know, maybe I can do something with this. So later, Pickering mm-hmm. and Higgins were at his house, and um, this girl comes, and then we decide to teach her and see if we can pass this girl off as a lady. And then as the uh, play you know breaks through you know you really see the emotions from all the characters especially with like the hard learning process of turning someone into a lady Mm -hmm. and uh what has been by the way we uh joined uh by another uh, member of the cast and i'm sorry introduce yourself uh here young man 
Um, my name's Isaac Schultz, and I play Henry Higgins. Aha! Uh-huh. So, uh, so tell us a little bit uh, about what is the what has been the most fun uh, part uh, of this this play, the most interesting uh, part of the play. And you, I, any of you can kind of jump in uh, here. What is uh, what has been the most interesting part of it for you? Because this, like we said, this is not your typical play. I mean, again, the ending is not quite the storybook ending that. that many audiences come to expect and and so on so this is a very different play i guess the most interesting part of the play was i guess just getting used to the other other characters like um uh, eliza here has a really interesting accent at first and Mm -hmm. she's kind of annoying at first so i guess (laughs) that's the most interesting part was just getting used to other characters and how they act and responding to them uh and and grace you're kind of uh, laughing uh at that and i'm i'm guessing uh, that that is maybe kind of the uh, fun thing for you as well. Yes, it was very fun yeah. developing the accent <laughs> and trying to not break character while doing it. Yeah, that's uh, that can be a, that can be a challenge. Uh, Jessica Leskowitz is the uh, uh, director of the uh, of the play, and uh, Jessica, why this why this play? Well, uh, in the times that we're living in, I wanted to choose something that could be socially distant as far as directing it mm-hmm. and yet be able to be uh, include as many of the students as I thought would want to audition. Yeah. So we were able to set up the play and space people out so that it could be socially distant but yet feel very proper as it would in London in 1912. Mm. Um, okay, so give us the uh, details here. Uh, Pygmalion, the uh, performances are Friday and Saturday, right? D- give us all of the uh, details on this. Well, the performance happens on Friday at 7. Um, beforehand, uh, for those who would like, there's a patron dinner, which includes um, a dinner, and you get to reserve your seats for the play beforehand. So nobody can steal your seats. You can get that front row seat. <laughs> there you um, go. Get the, the best time watching it. Then we have a matinee on Saturday at 2 o'clock. Okay. And uh, tickets are available now? That is correct. Okay. Uh, how do uh, folks go about uh, getting tickets? You just give a call to Heritage Christian School, and they will get you a ticket and reserve it for you. Okay. Uh, so, again, Friday at uh, 7 p.m., and the uh, dinner uh, begins, what, uh, about 5.30, yeah. Uh, and then uh, 2 p.m. Uh, matinee on Saturday. Uh, Pygmalion, uh, the... Uh, uh, play at Heritage Christian School uh, this weekend. And uh, guys, thanks for uh, dropping by. We certainly appreciate it. Good to see you again. Break a leg. Don't do that uh, literally, <laughs> but you know, that's what they say in the theater. And uh, have a, a great show. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you, of course, as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. Imagine choosing the perfect name for your child, only to have someone at the hospital make a spelling error. (laughs) Kelsey Tate from Seattle, Washington, said she intended to name her new baby, was born earlier this month, Cora. Cora was the name she had selected, K-O-R-A. But an error made by the hospital means now her child's legal first name is corn <laughs> like the band corn k-o-r-n 
she posted about this on uh, Twitter, explaining in her caption, the hospital messed up my baby's name on the birth certificate. We just got the birth certificate, and it is corn. My baby's name is legally corn. Uh, in her comments, she also noted, number one, the name is supposed to be Cora. Number two, yes, this should be able to be easily fixed if we are fast. And number three, there is a chance they may have had me double check this. But to be fair, I was down a lot of blood at the time. <laughs> that is true. I mean, you know, you have uh, mom double check uh, the spelling, but she's a little out of it at that <laughs> at that point. The mistake prompted other Twitter users to share their own stories of uh, names being recorded incorrectly on uh, birth certificates. I had no idea that this was a thing, but apparently we need to do an investigative report. <laughs> How often this actually happens? <laughs> Hello, my name is Corn. Uh, elsewhere in the broken news, most people don't expect to have this type of experience when visiting a hotel. Police officers in Little Rock, Arkansas, responded to the local Ramada Inn on Thursday after they got a report about a naked man carrying a gun in the lobby. <laughs> now, either of those things would probably prompt a response from police to have both of them happening at the same time uh, is quite unusual. They arrived to find a 38-year-old naked uh, carrying a gun right there in the lobby. The uh, police tried to grab him after he jumped over a counter, but the man continued to fight against them. Uh, eventually, the man had to be subdued with a taser. And being naked, you got to be careful with that thing because <laughs> there are some places that I can think of that I definitely do not want to be tased. <laughs> police reportedly spoke to a woman who said she was dating the man. Why she admitted that, I have no idea. But she did admit she was dating the man and said he had shown up at her hotel room acting strangely. <laughs> which which part of acting which part of that was acting strangely? That he was carrying a gun or that he was naked in the hotel lobby? That's, that's what I want to know. Uh, he has been charged with resisting arrest, negligent discharge of a firearm, and third degree battery. So he's in trouble. <laughs> Uh, this is awkward. From the international file, police in Lower Bavaria, Germany, say a bomb squad was called into a wooded area outside the city of Passau after a jogger reportedly uh, reported seeing a hand grenade in a plastic bag. The bomb squad dispatched, uh, launched an investigation, and found that the grenade-shaped object was actually uh, an adult toy. <laughs> It was an adult toy. It was uh, made of rubber, and uh, the plastic bag also contained an empty bottle of personal lubricant. Oh, and a USB charging cord. <laughs> uh, police say the uh, bomb squad did an online search and found the suspected bomb. Uh, confirmed that the uh, suspected bomb was just a uh, <clears throat> toy. Uh, investigators added that the condition of the plastic bag indicated it had been in the woods for quite some time before being discovered. So, <laughs> I, I'm guessing that they took it away for proper disposal, because that's what the bomb squad does. But was, I guess maybe it was a uh, bomb of a different kind. But anyway, moving on. <clears throat> this one lucky bird, animal rescuers from the Conservancy of Southwest Florida, say volunteers responded to help a pickup truck driver who uh, told them that he had seen an owl 
fly out in front of his vehicle on the road um, and then later discovered it inside the front of his grill. Uh, didn't immediately register. I mean, you know, you're driving down the road, you see a bird fly out in front of your uh, vehicle. Most times, birds are pretty quick, but occasionally you will hit a bird. Uh, what this guy discovered, though, when he got to the uh, end of his trip, 300 miles later, uh, he discovered that the owl was there in the grill. The uh, bird carefully extracted and taken to a facility to be cared for. Despite some minor injuries, the bird expected to make a full recovery. What I thought was... Uh, uh, really wild about that story because owls uh, have that that look that wide-eyed look <laughs> anyway because their their eyes are so big because you know they do so much hunting at night so they always have those big eyes <laughs> can you imagine looking at the grill of your vehicle see this wide-eyed owl staring back at you <laughs> probably looking at it, what the heck happened what the heck happened <clears throat> that look on the owl's face Must have been priceless. And finally, in the broken news this morning, a man just celebrated completing his almost 500-mile trek from Los Angeles to San Francisco. Now, what is so special about this, and why does it make the broken news? Because he did the whole thing while wearing a bear suit. (laughs) He walked from Los Angeles to San Francisco while wearing a bear suit. This is a report in Newsweek. I saw the uh, man by the name of Jesse Larios set out on the journey April 12th and completed it on Saturday, raising almost $20,000 in the process that he plans to donate to charity. For anyone wondering how well the bear suit held up, well, it says here it is not the best-smelling bear suit. Uh, Mr. Larios, age 33, described the suit's aroma as like when you open a bag of Doritos and that big fart smell comes out. (laughs) He created the suit himself um, and uh, named it Bear Sun, which is the Bear Sun, S-U-N, which is the name of the Instagram page where he posted regular updates about his trip as for where he's headed next, that is unknown, but he said he is taking the, vi- the advice of many fans and getting some much-needed rest before he heads out again. No uh, word on whether he'll wear the be- uh, bear suit uh, the next time he goes on a big trip. <laughs> huge bear, huge trip while wearing a bear suit. There you go. Hey, to each his own, I guess. You spend enough time in quarantine, you'll do anything to get outside. There is today's broken news report brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN says thank you for listening. And remember, you can listen around the clock on computer, smartphone, or tablet. Start your day with Chris Oaks and good mornings. And stay with us all day long. You also get CBS Sports Radio plus all of our locally originated sports programming. Listen live whenever you like at 1330 WFIN, 95.5 FM, and at WFIN.com. Where you can also grab our free mobile apps for iOS or Android. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Uh, It's been a year in lockdown for uh, families and parents uh, are especially concerned about the negative impact that all of this has had on their child's development. 
uh, obviously, uh, academically, uh, that has been very much in the news, the uh, result of uh, remote learning for, I mean, remote learning is one thing if it's a day or two, you know, you've got a, a snowstorm and schools are closed, they can't get to class, so you do a day or two of remote learning, that's one thing, but a full year in some cases, of remote learning is more than what kids are kind of equipped to deal with and, and more than schools uh, are equipped to deal with and, and uh, teach lessons uh, effectively uh, in, in that format. A uh, new poll of 1,000 parents, this was actually conducted in the UK, but I think the results would be pretty standard in this country as well. A poll of 1,000 parents of kids between... Uh, zero through eight, age eight and under, reveals 65% of these parents say their child has struggled with a lack of overall interaction. It's not just, we're not talking about just academics here. This goes beyond, well beyond that. 65% of kids have struggled with a lack of interaction during the pandemic. More than 70% are concerned that lockdowns have set back their child's social development. And many report their children have become clingier clingier and less confident more reclusive as a result and those are words that you do not want to hear with respect to children in that critical stage of early development age eight and under clingier less confident more reclusive those are not qualities we want to see in our kids on average parents say they think it will take five months of regular school before their children bounce back to being their old selves. Need to get details on all of the programming coming up in the month of May. The Findlay-Hancock County Public Library. Sarah Clevidence is uh, with us from the library. And hard to believe, Sarah, that we're talking about May already. My goodness. I know. April just <laughs> flew right by. It did. Um, now, I, yesterday we were uh, talking with Michelle at the uh, Hancock Park District, and she was uh, talking about that they're very excited that they're uh, starting to get more in-person programming. What about the uh, the library? I know uh, most everything has been done virtually for many months now. Uh, are you looking at transitioning back to uh, maybe more in-person programming, or are you just not there yet? Well, Chris, one of our, our big challenges is that we are still quarantining our returned material, which just simply takes up all the space mm. uh, that we have available in our meeting rooms. But yeah. fortunately, we we uh, are at the beginning stages of slowly starting to roll that back. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we have several weeks yet of, of quarantining as we gradually um, work through that process, but uh, the meeting rooms will you know, be available again, we hope, uh, this summer. Okay. But in the meantime, we are, uh, you know, working with some community partners on some opportunities maybe to do programming at other locations gotcha. this summer. So but for May, still virtual. Okay, so still virtual for the month of May. What is going on in the coming months that uh, folks can look forward to? Well, for kids, the at-home makerspace program that we started uh, right after the pandemic started, has been incredibly popular. And luckily, uh, since it's on Tuesday, it happens on May the 4th ah. uh, next month. So we can have a Star Wars-themed at-home makerspace. May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. And, and at this makerspace, you can learn how to make a hologram out of clear plastic, clear tape, and a smartphone or tablet. Hmm. I had no idea that that was uh, even possible. So that is uh, really cool. That should, that should be cool for all ages. 
Yeah, I, I think I might have to check that out myself. <laughs> what else have <laughs> you got going on? Uh, May 5th is our last Storytime Live. So it is on Zoom, but it's a live uh, interaction with our our uh, children's uh, Storytime person, Miss Nicole, and their theme is Super Silly Storytime. So we do ask that families register for that event uh, so we can send you the Zoom link. Again, that's May 5th at 1030. Okay. And then we have gr- several great things for adults happening in May as well. Uh, I don't know if you knew, but next week is uh, In-Demand Jobs Week. Okay. So we have some take-home career kits that will be available for pickup at our reference desk. If you're doing a, a job search, we think this kit will help get you going. It'll have resume tips, local resources, some online tools that you can use. Uh, and and then for a little additional help, later in the month on the 20th, um, we'll have a program on writing better resumes and cover letters. Uh, that'll be led by Ohio Means Jobs, Hancock County, and that's on May 20th. That is so timely with uh, so many people who were thrown out of work over the past uh, year or so. Some of those jobs may not be coming back. A lot of folks who are uh, also reassessing their careers mm-hmm. uh, over the past year. So uh, obviously that is something that I can see a, a great demand for. So those are definitely dates to circle on your calendar. Definitely. And our Spice World program that just started uh, in April has been very popular with our patrons. So if you haven't checked this out yet, you're missing out. Okay. Now, uh, you talk about uh, Spice World. That's We're not talking about the Spice uh, Spice Girls album, right? No, Spice no, no. World. No, not, this is something Spice totally different. Uh, tell this us about cooking. this. <laughs> tell about this uh, for uh, those who are not familiar. <laughs> so for Spice World, it's a monthly program, um, and you can get a kit that has this nice little packet with a, res- a recipe um, and then background information on the recipe, uh, you know, the country of origin for the recipe and information about that region of the world. Um, and then also some cooking literacy tips. So if you are a, a uh, terrible chef like I am, um, <laughs> this could be really helpful in building your kitchen skills. For example, I had no idea that you're supposed to rinse rice. Um, really? But this, this Spice World pamphlet tells me I should and why. Okay. It also, in, in this kit, you'll also get the spices that you need to complete this recipe. So okay. you'll still need to provide some of the ingredients. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes spices can be uh, a big investment if you just want to test out one new recipe. Oh, yeah. So this, this lets you have the spices and the recipe and build your cooking skills. Uh, you know, this is something that fits really well with our new strategic plan this year. Um, we've got a couple of, of items on there that just play right into Spice World with both increasing uh, you know, appreciation for the, the cultures in our community and also building multiple literacies. So in this case, building your cooking literacy. A good point. Um, and again, you were referencing uh, earlier uh, the uh, fact that you are still going through a uh, number of the uh, protocols for materials that are checked out uh, of the library and still doing But uh, we want to emphasize, and I know we've talked about it uh, in the past, but just to uh, reiterate, the library is in fact open. Absolutely. We've been open since last June, so please come see us. And uh, again, uh, that that includes, uh, you know, you can go and, and uh, check out uh, books. You, you got the uh, computer stations and such up? Absolutely. The, the public PCs are available, so if you need to so apply for that job online, you can mm-hmm. come in and do that. You know, our copy machines are available. Our fax machine is available. The Early Literacy Center uh, is open to, to uh, limited numbers. Um, you know, there's there's tables available for you 
just come sit and do your work and, and use our Wi-Fi here at the library. Okay, so uh, again, the uh, Findlay-Hancock County Public Library open for business, uh, but again, the uh, programming uh, is at this point still uh, virtual, hopefully uh, later on uh, into the summer. And by the way, just as a preview, and I know we'll talk a lot more about this uh, next month with uh, Brittany Lutz, uh, the uh, uh, Children's Department Summer Read Program right around the corner. Yes, it is. We're excitedly planning. And so we will look forward to more information on that. Again, uh, Sarah Clevidence, uh, Director of the Findlay Hancock County Public Library, with us this morning. More details at our webpage. Sarah, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. Thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, as always, you can get more information about all the topics that we talk about on the podcast each day at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, not surprisingly, Americans turned to online shopping in record numbers last year since many of us couldn't go out for a good chunk of the year. Has that changed the landscape of retail forever? In other words, can the traditional business model survive COVID-19? So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.